This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this May Day. That's right, it's May Day. Did you put out your May baskets for your neighbors? Do your neighbors, wait a minute, do you even know your neighbors? Uh, you know, May Day is all about one of those opportunities for us to get to know our neighbors. And it was an old tradition back in the old time. I have no idea how far back, but May Day. Greet your neighbors. Give them a basket of flowers and candy. It's just what you do. And I grew up in the Midwest. It's what we did. It was like the first warm day of the year, May 1st. Then it snowed usually on May 2nd. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him on this May Day. As we are broadcasting around the country and around the globe, just know this. And I say this every day, but you know why? It's because I mean it every day. We prayed for you ahead of time that something we say on the air today will cause you to dig deeper into your faith and to connect them what you heard yesterday from the pulpit into what you do in your nine to five, whether your nine to five is really 73, maybe it's, you know, 11 to seven, whatever your nine to five is, whatever day of the week it is, just know that your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet that job that you hold the work that you do. It's not by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus, and you may be their only chance. So here's a question. Do you live intentionally with your giving? Is your life really, are you intentional with your life, or are you just haphazard? Do you plan your giving, or does it just kind of happen when the bucket is being passed in front of you, like, well, I'm just going to throw a 20 in there, maybe I'll take a 10 back out, cash out for the day. How is your giving planned? Is it a percentage of your, of your income? Do you, are, are you doing the whole Malachi thing and robbing the Lord? You know, he gives us 100%. Do you trust him with that 10%? Have you ever heard a sermon really honestly talking about the blessing of generosity? Do you have a hard time choosing who to bless? What does the Bible have to say about all this stuff, all this giving and generosity? What's it have to say? Today, we've got National Christian Foundation back in the studio today. We've got David Parsley, and he's even got his Parsley shirt on today with the National Christian Foundation, but we also have... Brent Williams. And he's going to bring sanity to the conversation. Brent Williams, David Parsley, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, great. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun today. David, you brought Brent in here. Tell me why you brought... You said, we got to have Brent Williams on here. Tell me why. What, what was it about Brent Williams? Like, the audience needs to hear this today. Hey, thanks for having us, Jim. Uh, the main focus, uh, the main reason when I, I thought of uh, the opportunity to share how NCF works with Christian uh, financial advisors, uh, folks that come alongside anyone in your listening audience to give them advice. Uh, we, I first thought of Brent. He's the first person we reached out to. Brent's had a deep connection with NCF over the years. He walks the talk. He's a he's a, a godly brother in Christ, and he really has has skill in his financial planning and advising role to uh, men and women around the Tampa Bay community. So that's why I chose you. Well, Brent, we're so grateful to have you on the air. And I have, like I said, I, I joked with you before the, it, we went on the air, but I have heard a lot about you. I've been hearing about you for years. So you're one of those infamous people. 
And, and that's good. That's good. You, you got one of those smiles like, you, like, are you always been from Tampa or you, you got a Midwest smile about you? Oh, I'm definitely a Midwest boy. Oh, yeah. You El- said Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. We want to hold it. But you said near Chicago, though. That's kind of rough. Well, it's or south it more of Chicago. Like, what, Champagne, kind of south of Chicago? Maybe or? halfway between. Okay. All right. Well, that's where the good people live in Illinois. No doubt. Okay, yeah, I grew up uh, around Olivet, which is a, really? a Nazarene college there in, in Illinois. My mom was an English professor, so a great exposure to the school. Did you grew up on the farm or in the city? In the city. A city is, you know, Kankakee or, you know, a city of a couple hundred thousand can be anyway. Yeah, well, that's, hey, listen, I love the Midwest. We're, someday we're going to get this show broadcasting out of Minneapolis. I'd like the Quad Cities. I'm not sure Chicago would ever play my song, my show. But, you know, anyway, Brent, talk to us about, you mentioned before the air, when we went on the air, I don't know, I got to slow down. I have not had a Mountain Dew for a very long time, like five hours. You said when you heard the name I Work For Him that I Work For Him really resonated with you. Well, what is it about the message of I Work For Him that resonates? Well, I tell you, when uh, first starting my career, had started in banking and uh yeah, I was passionate about the church, loved the church that we went to, still attend the same one, and uh, even had some thoughts and aspirations of like being an executive pastor or something in there. And then yet uh, through the banking and then transitioning to financial advising, financial planning stuff, boy, I tell you what, God really showed me that, hey, there's a whole lot more, even more that I could do in this world, in this work, than what I could do right there directly in the church. I get to help people day in, day out. Uh, and something that's really important to life, you know, the the planning of their life and the finances around it. So uh, I, I love the concept of I work for him because I think we can do so much in the workplace that uh, isn't going to happen on a Sunday morning. So how did you come to be a Christ follower? Well, as I said, growing up in, in Illinois there, part of Olivet, uh, my, my folks were uh, just strong Christians. I'm blessed with a great, a great heritage and uh, attended, uh, you know, uni- uh, university there even. Uh, I was looking to kind of get out of Nazarenville, though, and uh, and thought, hey, Florida's warmer than Illinois, much warmer. Had spent some spring breaks on Clearwater Beach and was looking for the first opportunity. <laughs> Can you talk about those spring breaks you spent on Clearwater <laughs> Beach? That's the that's the bad part. It's been a long time ago. It has. But uh, moved down here. Uh, it's unbelievable just how the story played out. I ended up meeting some great guys. Rob Taylor, uh, who's my my former partner in this work, uh, some great guys that just had awesome influence on me. And really the direction of my life turned because of those guys, the church that we were attending, doing stuff with those uh, families. And, uh, you know, it's been some significant events and yet kind of just a lifelong of spending time with God as well. So how long have you been in Florida? Boy, 94. So what's that make? 23 years. 23, yeah. That's good. And and you you wouldn't move back to the Midwest? Oh, not at all. Not at all. Even for the the traffic? Yeah, yeah, you get sand in your shoes and you get stuck down here. You do. (laughs) But if you get snow in your shoes, it melts. (laughs) There's nothing nothing tougher than driving through southern Illinois in a blizzard, just in case anybody's ever wondering. Something everybody should do once to say, this is why I don't want to live in southern Illinois. All right, so let me just get your perspective on this. Uh, uh, Why should Christ followers turn to a biblically-based financial advisor? Why is it important that our financial advisors... Be that, that we as Christ followers are working with, why is it important that they under have a biblical understanding? Well, I think it's just a big advantage. Um, you know, the the worldview that somebody has is of utmost importance. And so a biblical worldview, having an advisor that matches your biblical worldview, I think makes a significant difference as you kind of plan out life. 
You're getting advice and counsel from this person. They're encouraging or discouraging things that you're thinking about, that you're running by that, uh, that advisor. Whether it's uh, like the big picture of retirement, you know, we see a lot of commercials about, you know, sailboats and, and relaxing on beaches. And yet, you know, that kind of a retirement can pull you out of a workplace where you may be the most significant uh, Jesus person that someone's going to ever come up against. And so the biblical perspective of it can say, hey, there may be some points to slowing down, maybe even transitioning, but, uh, but realizing that you're going to be at work doing something, whether it's for pay or not, for the rest of your life, I think is a, an important biblical concept. There's uh, a book already written to those people that are considering, okay, what do I do with the second half of my life? That's halftime. Yeah. Phenomenal book. We, we highlight it on this show all the time because it's meant so much to me. But I'm writing a book to all those people that are retiring and are going, I'm just going to sit on the beach and relax. I'm going to get, I'm going to walk hand in hand with my wife and get seashells or get a sailboat and lay on the beach, whatever you do. Like, I'm writing a book to those people and, and saying, hey, the next generations desperately need you. They do. We, we need their experience. We need their expertise. We need what they learned through the bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, there is great opportunity to get to be a consultant and a help and a, an advisor to, to people the next generation as they're coming up. Well, we just got a lot of people that have grown up today that, that they haven't grown up with fathers that have been around, haven't grown up with relationships with their grandparents or their aunts or their uncles because of divorce. That we, We've separated families and then we've spread people out across the, the country. These people growing up today, I'm talking 25 to 40 year olds, are desperately in need of mentors. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you see in your church. Dave, do you see that in your church? Does your church facilitate mentors, you know, hooking up old people with younger people? Not hooking them up, connecting them. <laughs> yeah. Got to know your generational terms there, Jim. <laughs> um, well, yeah, mentoring is is critical. Uh, I particularly think of when you were rattling off some uh, descriptors, if you will, of that generation. It's even the, the texting and the impersonal way in which relationships just aren't Face to face, even voice to voice, right? And uh, now it's a that is a golden opportunity for anyone approaching, uh, even thinking of retirement. Uh, you have so much to contribute, and that's, you know, it's there. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, whether you're seeking financial advice or just relational family advice. You know, as we consider today the conversation, and I, I want to just be careful with the words I say because I want to make you understand. Brent Williams, a financial advisor, a financial planner. We're not so much talking about what he does, but the impact of his faith on what he does. And I wanted to dig that conversation because he's so intimately involved with the National Christian Foundation. And those of you that listen to me have heard me talk about the National Christian Foundation at least a half a dozen times over the last four or five years because I'm passionate about what they do for people. They make it easy for you and me to give. They 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 have it. It's so easy to put money in a fund and then direct it, self-direct it out to places to forgiving, but the Natural Christian Foundation loves to work alongside business owners and business leaders to help them be intentional with business deals they're doing, and they love to bless charities. I mean, the Natural Christian Foundation is so adept at helping people to maximize their giving while minimizing their tax consequences. There's those are two phenomenal. It's four of the most most phenomenal words ever. Minimize taxation and maximize giving. Those words, those four words are the best words ever to a Christ follower. So we got in studio with us today, David Parsley from the National Christian Foundation in Tampa Bay. TampaBay.ncfgiving.com. We also have Brent Williams. Now, Brent Williams is deeply involved with the National Christian Foundation in 
it's just part of the practice that he does each and every day. You can find out more about Brent Williams online at taylorandwilliams.com. Brent, the question goes back to you. How do you advise your clients from a biblical perspective of stewardship that helps them manage their assets? Because maybe you've got a, Christ, a non-Christ follower that's one of your clients, but you're still responsible for teaching them good stewardship. How do you, how do you, how do you incorporate your faith into what you're doing as you're talking with your clients that maybe don't understand the Bible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great part because you're right. There's a, we have a lot of Christian clients, and so the conversation can sound a little bit different with them than with a non-Christian client. But at the same time, we're called to, uh, to impact them and, and wherever they are on the continuum to, to help and encourage them. So uh, one of my core beliefs is that the Bible is the best book on finance ever written. It's got great stuff in there, even great stuff that um, our, our, our work today or our investing world today, planning world today uh, incorporates as well. I mean, diversification, you know, comes right out of Ecclesiastes. You know. uh, just even the part of giving, I think, um, you know, we can talk about it from a biblical perspective, but it does resonate. There's a feel good that people have when Absolutely. they know that they've made a difference in others' lives, whether it's their work and time that they're donating or their resources that follow it. So, so. when you look at that, though, you know, you're teaching because what I have found that is a lot of people, when they go to meet with a financial advisor, they expect the financial advisor to do magic and make their hundreds of thousands be millions of dollars. And very few advisors really teach stewardship and, and understanding that sometimes you need to cap your income. And just start saving away. You need to cap your living, your status of living. Do you ever get to have conversations with people about, hey, maybe you, instead of buying a bigger house, maybe you ought to just save more money? Or do you ever get to have conversations like that? And do you help people go, hey, I noticed that you're keeping it all for yourself? Have you ever thought about building giving into your plan? Sure. You know, we always want to help the clients reach their goals. And so, kind of helping clarify what their goals are is always if not the, the number one, an important step in the process there. And yet, you know, we get to have influence on that. We get to ask questions. Well, have you thought about this or have you considered this? You know, what if this would happen? And so in, in essence, you know, the generosity, a giving part does come out of that. Hey, you know, what are you passionate about? What are you investing your time and energy in? You know, you're doing something now. Would you like to do more? Or would you like to even try to do something significant through the course of your, your, your remaining years, whether alive or even in your estate planning work? You know, as I heard last week at the NCF advisory meeting, you know, and every time Bob Collins says this, it absolutely aggravates a living daylights out of me. When he talks about frozen Christian mm-hmm. assets in Tampa Bay of 300, 200 to 300 billion dollars. And that just irritates a living daylights out of me that there's so much money that could be used to impact the kingdom and it's stuck in, it's just stuck. It's not going anywhere. How often do you get to get in those conversations with Christ followers to teach them about the huge blessing that generosity is? All the time. I mean, I think you have to weigh that as a responsibility of yours. I mean, if we kind of go that back to the Bible being the best book on finance ever written, it clearly says that God's the owner and we're just the managers. So to always have to go back and say, hey, God, what's your desire for this? I want as your manager to do what you want with it. And then NCF becomes such a great partner because of their awesome abilities to do complex stuff and yet even provide kind of the simple charity bank account for, for regularly giving as well. 
And David, we've talked many times about the complex stuff that you guys get involved in business deals, liquidating assets. You know, the last, a couple of times ago, we, we talked about a guy that liquidated nine locomotives that, you know, to be able to be donated. What's in, in the last couple of months, what's one of the most complex things you guys have gotten involved in to help generate money for the kingdom? Uh, in terms of complex gifts, uh, well, last year we were fortunate just here in the Tampa Bay office to facilitate over $75 million of gifts last year, as in receiving those gifts, helping structure those gifts, and two-thirds of those gifts were complex assets. Like what? what what's, so com- what's a complex asset? It's, it's non, a non-cash asset. For so instance, like real estate. Real estate. Uh, we had uh, one of our givers, and we keep full confidentiality, of, of course, course, but... Uh, this giver uh, decided to give five uh, percent uh, of this uh, significant uh, land development that he had, and in that that one gift that was appraised at a, a, a large amount, large, large amount, amount yeah, sure, uh, blessed him and his family immediately. He got that that exact amount of a charitable deduction last year, so that lowered his taxes. That freed him up to actually give more from those tax savings, and then that, that considerable gift, when it does liquidate, when that land does sell, 100% of that, because it's now owned by charity, that portion of the gift flows into his NCF giving fund that he can then grant out to charity. So it sides up probably $250,000 worth of capital gains. Taxes. Minimizing taxes, maximizing giving. I mean, that's really, that's that's something I've heard from Bob Collins for years. Absolutely. I mean, your faithful boss who just says, hey, let's find ways to minimize taxes and maximize giving. And, and you guys love working with business owners that are contemplating a sale or a, a way to be able to give more. And you guys can help them structure things so that they can give that stuff away, right? Yeah. But, but again, minimize taxable gain, and maximize giving. And it's uh, it's not just for people that are about to sell significant assets. You can actually give a portion of an asset, and NCF holds that. So we're like a charitable shareholder in your asset, your business or your real estate. And, uh, and if, if it's an income-producing asset, let's say, uh, that income that flows from a rental, uh, if you have a rental property, uh, that income flows to NCF, that portion of it, and that's tax-free because a charity owns and rental income to a charity is tax-free. So tremendous way. It's just good stewardship of if you're going to be giving to charity, you might as well give in the most tax-advantageous way to, to and, bless more charities. With, and do it now instead of waiting until you're dead. And that, that really ties back to your earlier our earlier segment about uh, mentoring. You're able to really bring your children, your grandchildren, and others into your giving intent by – by having that, those monies and that, that charitable intent melting and unlocking and, and blessing while you're alive, and you can really have an impact on your kids and grandkids. Well, and that's really why I wanted to have the conversation today on the air, because there's a lot of people listening who have parents that have significant assets, and the parents want to be givers. And many of us are involved in business transactions or organizational transactions where the giving is wanted, but a lot of times people don't know how to structure it in order to maximize, minimize taxes, maximize giving. And that's what the National Christian Foundation does best. And that's what I love. And I want to make sure people know it's out there. It's a resource. They don't, well, let's just say, okay, let's just say I bring a complex transaction, whatever it may be. Do you charge me to set that transaction up? Well, uh, we, by the way, we, we work with Brent and, and hundreds of advisors uh, because they have that trusted relationship. And right. they can, we're, in essence, a, a partner, a tool in their toolbox sure. to serve their clients. 
And we have that was some, a good commercial. Though. Are you going to answer my we, question? We, or we not? have some Can great illustrations to help them, but we do uh, we don't charge any fees until the gift is completed. So we have we bring our expertise, our gift planning attorneys, and our asset managers. We all bring that to bear to help them structure it properly. When the gift is made, there is a, a ministry grant that those givers, in light of the the great windfall they've received from gifting to charity. Uh, they work out a ministry grant to help right. NCF do what we do. You get a- expertise that you'd pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for at, at a fraction of the cost, and you're getting to minimize your taxation and maximize your giving. Now, a lot of people listening today, Brent, are people going, yeah, but wait a minute, I just have a 401k. I, I, I really can't make as big of an impact as a business owner making a sale or somebody selling a big property or a big piece of land. Yet that $300 billion of frozen assets is is a lot of us just normal people that don't have excessive assets just sitting in bank accounts and not in, in, in just not being put to action. How often do you run into Christ followers who just have money sitting around getting moldy? Often, often. And and we really want to help them, again, no matter where, on the continuum of, of little assets to, to many complicated assets. And really, NCF can be an important partner for any of those. I mean, if you've got someone like a... Uh, that you you give to multiple charities during the year, and yet you're trying to keep track then of all these giving receipts come tax time. You know, NCF, you know, your your giving account there is really just a charity bank account, and so you can make one gift to the charity bank account, get your tax deduction credit for that gift, and then from there disperse it to as many different places you want, and not have to worry about keeping track of the different parts. And then it also lets you coordinate the timing of the gift to charity at a different point than the timing for taxation. Like I've got some retiree clients that they've paid off their mortgage. And so when it comes to itemizing for deductions, they really don't have a great amount of pieces. You know, it's the real estate taxes and charitable contributions. And so we've worked with a couple of them to say, hey, why don't we uh, use NCF and we'll kind of like alternate years. One year, just take the normal standard deduction, but then the next year pay both years real estate taxes for property in those things. And then the next, and then give both of your charitable contributions in that year as well. And yet you can give it out of your donor advised fund account later on the the following year so that the charity still gets the money at the time that you want them, but just make some extra money from a tax perspective. And the portal that NCF giving provides you to be able to schedule things and and facilitate the giving, it's, it's amazing. All right, our conversation continues today with Brent Williams and David Parsley. We're talking about the integration of intentionality in your giving. How does NCF help you with that? And Brent Williams is a financial advisor here in Tampa Bay. Brent, how did you learn to be intentional with your giving right from your company? I mean, who taught you that? Well, after uh, hanging around with Bob Collins and David and the good people from NCF for a while, uh, kind of hearing about the tools that they offered. I mean, they're a great resource to an advisor because you know, you're trying to be the one-stop shop to help people in all the aspects of their finances to have somebody that's kind of a technical expert in this giving area and the complex part of giving stock or businesses or real estate. Uh, it, they're just a great tool to have at your disposable as, a, as an advisor. So we were just giving, hey, 
10% of our quarterly profit each time we'd sit down as an office, kind of talk through, kind of weigh, okay, who would we like, and kind of with a group agreement on, hey, we're going to give this quarter's profit or a portion of it to this entity. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was great. It was. And then in my conversations with the, the guys from NCF, I thought of, wait a minute, you know, maybe I could could do what they're talking about and give a portion of my business. Uh, so you know, a couple things. I mean, one, my, my firm is not significant. It's not Merrill Lynch. It's not, but at the same time, I still wanted to get to do something that I thought, hey, as I talk to other people, other clients, I could say, hey, I have done this. I have been down this road before. I know how it works and kind of help lead from a different point than in, in the advising process. So we did. Yeah. We kind of worked with these guys to give 10% of the firm to, to the National Christian Foundation, to my little donor advised fund there. And now the, their portion of the profits roll into that account. And we, we as our office still just give those portions away to the charity that we agree on for the quarter. It's nice to be able to say to your clients, hey, this is not a do as I say, not as I do thing. I'm actually doing this. This, this is working, and this is how God has blessed our firm because we're involved in this kind of giving. I mean, it's it's got to be awesome to be able to share that story. It is, and it's one of those when we don't want to like just tout it or pat ourselves on the back or anything. Well, but I, I'm not I'm not seeing that at all. Yeah. I just, but it's good to be able to give people an example. Like, sure, it's nice for you to say, Brent, but you know, are you doing it? And, just, and I could say yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, have a lot of business clients, have clients with, you know, special real estate pieces on. So I know, hey, there, there's great ways that they can participate with the National Christian Foundation and give in a tax-wise manner. And again, NCF, they do all the paperwork. They've got all these attorneys and accountants, this expertise that uh, you need to, to make those things happen simple and easy. How did you, when you made that decision to give a portion of your company away to the Lord and to dedicate it towards ministries, how did that impact you mentally impact your business bottom line i mean did was it was it freaky to do that or was did did you i mean how did it end up for you i would say it's a combination of two things on one we were already giving away that portion of the profit anyway so i don't think i saw oh hey i'm doing something real special now i think that for anything i really saw hey here's a one-time tax deduction that i'm gonna get for something that i'm already doing but at the same time, there is something unique and special when you say, hey, you know what, I don't own this whole thing. I need to make sure that the other owner always has a say, and and really the other owner owns the whole thing to begin with anyway. Right. So uh, it, it's a helpful practice to keep that in mind. Now, you said you've got three three boys. How old are your boys? Twin boys that are 16, and my youngest is 13. <laughs> the 16-year-old's driving? In the last month, they are. Like driving on their own, licensed on their own, fully licensed. And you did shop your car insurance, right? Because your car insurance is now ten thousand dollars a year. So it's it's fantastic. It feels one, like a mortgage payment. Yeah, it does. It does. One of the great things about Tampa is the car insurance rates are out of this world. When you put a kid on, you might as well you, really buy him a Beamer. It's cheaper. No, I mean it's just it's ridiculous the car insurance rates. Well, Brent's able to leverage that tax deduction he got from giving to NCF. He's more than paying for it now with his yeah. sons. Oh, oh yeah, his sons, his sons are taking advantage of all of the savings that you had. <laughs> when you look at you, you're working with clients, teaching them giving, teaching them intentional steward, intentional giving, and being good stewards. How do you do? How are you doing that with your boys? Well, you had to ask the harder questions. I do didn't absolutely. It's much easier to talk about this for other people's lives than it is in your in your own. Yeah, especially sixteen year olds and a thirteen year old. Thirteen year old still trying to figure out how to put both. You know, like seventh or eighth grade. Seventh grade. Uh, 
the youngest one yeah. is a seventh grader. Seventh graders. Sophomores and a seventh grader. Seventh graders are unique. They just are. They're just they're, they're great. They will come on their own. But the sixteen year olds, they already think they know everything. How are, how are you helping them be good stewards? Yeah. Well, let me just. It's a work in progress. It certainly is. <laughs> I but, love that. Uh, but we have done some things that I think have been helpful. You know, we've we've watched some Dave Ramsey stuff and studied some Dave Ramsey stuff together. We've done some real simple. Hey, you're going to earn an a, you know a, an allowance or a commission each uh, each week, and so from that you're going to have to do a couple things. You've got to save a little bit of it. You've got to give a little bit of it, and then you get to spend some on yourself or do whatever you, you'd like to enjoy with the rest. And so trying to set those priorities and practices from a, an early age. Then I think we've also tried to make sure that we as a family set aside some dollars that we can be just watchful. You know, God, who would you tell us to do something with? Present us you know, an opportunity. Uh, typically, it's people that we come across and we can see a need and we're able to tangibly get to do something. When you, How do you teach your boys to appreciate the things that they have? Well, we try to make them, again, work in progress. I want to make sure that I'm really clear on that it's a work in progress. Are they listening today? Uh, I don't know, but if they ever get wind of it, I want to make sure that they get to hear that part first. <laughs> You're a work in progress. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we try to make them participate in, you know, you hear you're just talking about, you know, cars they're driving now. They are they are helping purchase the car that they will soon be driving at some point. Uh, we just don't want them to be given things as to the to the fullest degree. We want to know that their their needs are met. They've got a place to stay. They've got food to eat. They've got parents and extended family that loves them to death. Um, but you know, at the same time, we wanted them to realize quickly that a dollar can only be spent one place, and you have to prioritize what's important in your life and how you're going to uh, make those dollars fit all those unlimited wants that we uh, come up against. Well, and that's really one of the, I, I asked you those questions. I, I know I didn't tell you I was going to ask you those questions, but I asked those questions because so many of our teens and 20s today have not been taught by their parents the proper understanding, the biblical perspective of money. And as you have said it multiple times today, the Bible is the greatest handbook on finances and possessions. You know, Crown Financial Ministries, what I went through their course in 1999, 2,350 verses on money and possessions. Jesus talked more about money and possessions that and them in the marketplace, and he did about love and faith because he knew that that was the number one draw of our heart away from God. Teaching our kids to have a proper understanding and appreciation for money on the good that it can do and the bad that it can do, it's powerful. Our kids desperately need that. They need to be trained. We all needed to be trained on how to handle money. We do. We do. And some of it, uh, you know, Crown, I love Crown. In fact, Rob Taylor, my former partner in this firm and I, we co-led a Crown group together at our church, and we say that was really the beginning of Taylor and Williams at that point. The firm didn't start for a couple of years after that, but getting to do that together was significant in uh, both of our lives, both of our families. So there's a, there's a, hey, learn what the Bible says, study what the Bible says part of it, but there's also a practical part where you just have to learn the day-to-day in and outs of money management and how to keep those priorities in place. How do you and your bride, how the conversations that you have about your giving, how are you guys communicating that? Because a lot of times, well, because you're the financial guy, you're making the decisions. I mean, how do you guys come together and say, okay, this is what we're going to, here's, here's what we're going to give this year. Yeah. I think there's uh, some team meetings that do have to happen. I think now we, you know, we've been real str- uh, consistent with our church. That's a high priority to us. We've been there for a long, long time. Uh, we've raised our kids there. We've got great family connections. It's a high priority piece to us. Uh, so that one just kind of happens on its own at this point. You know, the rest of it is kind of sitting down and saying, hey, you know, 
what do you see going on? What, you know, what are you seeing that you know, you're passionate about trying to help them make a difference? And then I think in a lot of ways, we even get real tangible and try to say, hey, we've got some, some cash. Let's, uh, let's look and see if there's a real practical need from somebody that we can meet and help make a difference in their life. You know, they say that 50% or more of divorces are caused by people having issues with money. And you, being a financial advisor, you often get in the middle of stuff like that. Certainly, divorces, you get in the middle of it because they come to you and like, hey, we got to split this stuff up. How have you and your wife kept the communication open and fluid about money to keep that from being a, a place of conflict? Well, that's a work in progress as well, because you know, you're, you're right. We are even as husband and wife. You're not wife. running for office, are you? You're really good at that. <laughs> we're, we're different. And I think why money so many times gets pointed out to be the problem is because it's the measuring stick that we each use and our differences, the, the priorities that we have, the things that we're passionate about. It's just where it really shows up in a real tangible way. And so there is, there's compromise. There's, hey, you know, you get to choose kind of for some dollars and I get to choose for some dollars. And then there's some big, some big rocks that we have to agree on in the end, no matter how long and hard some of those uh, compromises can take. Marriage is work. I mean, it, it just is, but it's, it's worth it. I mean, you guys said 23 years under your belt. Amen. Martha and I will celebrate 31 this year. How many years for you and David? 32 and a half. 32. That's right. We're rookies compared to you guys. Mm-hmm. David, when you look at the National Christian Foundation and how they come alongside financial advisors across the country, how do you make their lives easier? Well, their position is is trusted advisors, and we respect that. We support that. But we want to inform these advisors on, because all we focus on is charitable giving. And they encompass the whole relationship with these clients. And Charitable giving is an important part of it, but it is just a part of, of full stewardship. So we uh, we really treat that with uh, with utmost respect. That as we bring our expertise in, we want to help them look good, and we want to help them serve these other Christians with excellence. So giving them the tools, helping them present and build illustrations on what ifs to help those conversations happen, because financial planners and advisors like Brent. There's only so many times that they meet face-to-face with clients in a given year. And if we can give them information and illustrations ahead of time to start those conversations down that path of charity and generosity, that's a very effective way we can do that. And then we follow up when those interest levels are there for for givers who want to explore further. Well, I think both of your jobs would be a lot easier as an advisor and, and really representing the National Christian Foundation. If pastors talked about not just, hey, bring your tithes to the church. Talked about the blessing of being generous, because when you're generous and you realize that nothing has hold of you anymore, that nothing you have, it can't be liquidated. You know, the only thing that you, I mean, just like, you know, Job went through it. All he had left at the end of the day was his wife. Everything else was gone. We, there's nothing that really means anything except our relationships. Everything else is just a thing to be able to understand the blessing of giving because people who give freely live freely. They really understand freedom in Christ. I mean, Brent, you've seen it. People who hoard everything for themselves versus people who are generous givers. There's a difference, isn't there? There is. And you asked a question early in the in the, the show here about, hey, what difference does a Christian financial advisor make versus just a, a regular financial advisor? You know, and that biblical worldview, part of that is the eternity picture. I mean, when we look and say, hey, you know, this world is not all that there is, and, and we're going to spend eternity 
in part based on how we act while we're on this side of eternity. Uh, you know, you want an advisor, I think, that that can can that biblically agrees with that perspective that you would have there and can help you remember that, hey, that's not just about what I can accumulate and build while I'm here, but I want to make a difference in the world to come. And, and David, you guys really make that easy for people to send it on ahead. I mean, you really make it easy to facilitate giving and, and even for you know, between now and when I'm gone to be able to facilitate when I'm gone, that I don't screw up all my kids' lives with a bunch of money that I plan for that money to be actually invested in the kingdom. NCFgiving.com. Put a Tampa Bay in front of it. TampaBay.NCFgiving.com. That's the place for you to go. Brent, one other question for you. You mentioned in your bio, I read it somewhere, that you're part of Kingdom Advisors. That's correct? Yes, that's correct. And you host a group up in Lutz? I do. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the things, as, as we had, we, we talked about Kingdom Advisors on here multiple times in the last several years. There's an organization a lot of people misunderstand. They think it's just for financial advisors like you, but it's really not. There's, there's Kingdom Advisors, well, talk about, is it making an impact on you and who can get involved in that? Yeah. Well, I think there's two sides to the Kingdom Advisors part. One is that, hey, yes, for advisors like myself, for uh, estate attorneys, uh, accountants, mortgage guys, bankers, anybody that's going to deal in the financial world and probably helping people in in financial world, uh, it's a great resource. Because if you say, hey, I want to do that with a biblical perspective, uh, they're the experts on trying to help communicate those things and, and make them very practical for the advisors. At the same time, Kingdom Advisors was kind of there to say, hey, we want to make sure that if people are looking for help, and they're trying to find someone that comes from a biblical perspective that we've got a database now of those advisors in whatever little specialty uh, you need. And so part of the website when you go on and say, if you're looking for someone, you know, click on this and here's how you can find them. If you're an advisor and you're trying to, to connect with guys that are doing the same thing and kind of glean from each other, they're a great resource on that side as well. It's a powerful organization and it's discipling Christ followers in their workplace in those advising roles, having to do with advising with money. When you Think about the audience we got out there. We got people that have just gotten off work, that are going home. You got people that are retired that are listening to the show, which if you're retired, get out of the stands. We need you back in the field. Uh, we got people that are just starting jobs. They're like, well, I don't need this whole money thing. Just it, it blows people's minds. What's the one thing you tell every client? One thing you want every client to understand, especially your Christ following clients. What's the one thing you always want them to understand about money? Well, I always hey, you know, God's the owner and you're the manager. So, you know, Realize your role responsibility and what's not your role and responsibility. And then from that, you know, just the simple stuff. Hey, give, save, and enjoy what the, what you've been blessed with. I mean, come up with, you know, time with, with time with God with what those percentages should be based on your life today. But, uh, you know, live within those three simple mantras. Why should every financial advisor out there be dealing with National Christian Foundation? Why are you so passionate about them? Yeah, you know, again, we can't do it all. I you know we can't. It can only be knee deep in a lot of stuff, and so I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I know. Hey, when this situation comes up in a client, you know, relationship, I've got an expert that I can turn to that can really uh, go deep with them, help make it practical. You know, the actual solution even. And so, in any 
giving pieces. Again, you know, whether it's simple, hey, I just want a simple way that I can write a check to one charity, to my charity bank, and like through like an online giving kind of give to multiple places, and yet it's one, a little simple tax uh, recording. Or, man, I've got, you know, some complex assets, and uh, yeah, I can do something in my estate plans at passing, or I can even just sell them and then, you know, eventually give, write a check to charity. You know, don't do that before you talk to NCF or before you talk to an advisor and have NCF as part of that conversation because you can save a lot of tax money and end up giving money to uh, a charity that you're passionate about instead of writing it to Uncle Sam instead. Those four powerful words, David, minimize taxation, maximize giving. Those are powerful words. Not too many people uh, will argue those points. Uh, They celebrate it. They don't know about it as to the extent that we want them to. I've heard politicians go, I want to pay more taxes. They're just crazy people. But but it's true. Nobody wants to pay more taxes than they should. And everybody loves to be, well, not everybody loves to be generous, but they want the ability to be generous. We have to teach them this generosity thing. How can National Christian Foundation help me be more generous? What's one thing you guys can do to help me be more generous? Well, we help uh, educate and inform families, uh, again, across that continuum, uh, whether you make a little or a lot, uh, talk to us. Uh, it can help invigorate your family and, and structure their giving, encourage their children. Uh, so whatever your means are, you can take advantage of the, the giving funds that we have that can really be fun and a blessing and just further your family down that path. And I do want to encourage listeners as well to check out KingdomAdvisors.com and you can find uh, advisors like Brent through that resource. Gentlemen, Brent Williams, David Parsley, thanks for being on iWork for him today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Hey, check these guys out online. Check David Parsley out online at ncfgiving.com, tampabay.ncfgiving.com, and Brent Williams at taylorandwilliams.com. You've been listening to iWork for him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him.